Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is delighted to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance and significant to dance teachers this time of year. Body Wrappers performance wear remix for competition and recitals consists of various components one can mix and match to create a unique costume you won't see anywhere else. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Wrappers performance wear remix items, go to your favorite local dance retailer shop or online store. To view and buy the entire collection of Tyler Peck designs, go to dancewearcorner.com. This episode is brought to you by the Kennedy Center. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week we are joined by soloist ballerina with the Suzanne Farrell Ballet, Alin Noel. Alin started her training at the age of five in Southern California and began her professional career at age 15 with Ballet Pacifica. In 2003, she joined Miami City Ballet, where she would dance as a soloist until leaving the company in 2010. After battling some serious injuries, she recovered and joined Los Angeles Ballet as a principal in 2011. In 2015, she joined the Suzanne Farrell Ballet. She will be dancing in the company's final shows entitled Forever Balancing Farewell Performances at the Kennedy Center December 7th through 9th. We caught up with Alin while we were visiting the Kennedy Center in October. She was kind enough to join us in the middle of her first day of rehearsals for these performances. We talk with her about her career, struggles with injuries, her love of working with Suzanne, and she offers us a preview of what audiences can expect from the Suzanne Farrell Ballet's farewell performances. For more information on these shows and other happenings at the Kennedy Center, visit kennedy-center.org. 
Thanks, Alain, for joining us in between your rehearsals today. I know you're Thank you very busy, <laughs> so we're happy you could come join us in our little studio. Yeah. It's especially fun for us because we dance with you at Miami City Ballet. I know. It's, it's like a while. Reunion. Yeah. It's a fun reunion. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll just start at the beginning. So how did um, you first become interested in ballet and what was your early training like? Oh, gosh. Um, I was five and my best friend in kindergarten asked me to take a ballet class with her. Her name was Jessica. And the rest is kind of history. There were like maybe five or six of us in my like grade school class that all went to the same ballet studio together and they all kind of phased out throughout the years and I just stuck to it and... I think the second or third class, that was it for me. I was going home telling mom I wanted to be a ballerina. <laughs> um, my early training was super classical. Uh, Cicchetti, I took exams, everything. Um, so I had like almost no exposure to Balanchine until maybe my late teens mm-hmm. at the earliest. So. so how did you end up in Miami City Ballet then if that wasn't your background? So um, when I graduated high school, I joined a smaller regional company, Inland Pacific Ballet, in Southern California. And the director there, Vicky, was good friends with Stanley Holden, who I guess back in the day when he and Edward were kind of in their prime, they were like drinking buddies during oh. <laughs> uh, their time. So Stanley called Edward. I was doing my first full-length ballet, Capellia, opposite Stanley being my Dr. Capellius. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called Edward because the company was touring to Southern California and said, I have this girl. I'd really like you to see her. Can she take company class? And he kind of set it up that I could audition through company class. So I took their warm-up class on stage. And that was it. Edward said after class that he wanted to hire me, but they didn't have contracts at the time. Uh, but to hold my breath for about a week or so. So I did. And he came through. Uh, I got a call about a week later. And they were like, uh, get your plane ticket. You're moving to Miami. So mm. that was it. I think that's really admirable that uh, your director would... Uh, or was, was Holden the director or no? He's, uh, no. Yeah, okay, okay. No, never mind. Scrap that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, because since most times I feel like people want to hold on to their right. directors, Um They were all really supportive of me going to a, a larger company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really so um, one of the difficulties that Miami City Ballet presented for you was that the men were often short. Yes. And you are <laughs> a tall, long-legged lady. Yes. So um, what was... Has that been a consistent challenge for you, finding the right partner that can enhance you um, when, you know, not everyone's always going to be ready to handle all of your legginess? Um, (laughs) It was definitely a a problem in Miami, Mm -hmm. and I think it was a major contributing factor as to why I decided to change companies mm-hmm. um regardless of what edward's path for me would or have would not have been i saw that it was kind of finite in being like the ruby's tall girl or choleric or those kicky balancing girl roles mm-hmm. which are fantastic and i love them but i feel like i i did them and i felt satisfied doing them in miami and i was missing the full-length ballets and um you know Luis was never going to be my partner because right. he's much shorter than me on point so um. <laughs> Luis is shorter than you standing I'm yeah, pretty probably. sure Luis is like five six um, five. Yeah, he's quite little yeah and I was I think at the time I was also missing uh the classical kind of component of my upbringing Your background, and, right. yeah and I felt like I had really gotten my fill of Balanchine and I felt satiated in that way and I wa- was looking for something else and then ironically, I left Balanchine for a little bit and missed it like crazy. And it's really been the bulk of my entire career for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, but no, since leaving Miami, it hasn't been. I mean, it's definitely a thing that there are less very tall men when you're, you know, 5'10", 5'11", on point. Um, 
but I've been very lucky. I had a fantastic partner at LA Ballet, a couple of fantastic partners, but one in particular, Ulrich, um, mm -hmm. who danced with Royal Danish and is now with San Francisco Ballet. Um, he would come out and be my partner for all of my uh, work, I guess. And then here I've had fantastic tall partners. Suzanne has quite a few tall men. She was a tall lady, so I guess <laughs> she knows what she's looking for. <laughs> so before we continue to talk about the rest of your career, we wanted to touch on something that we like to talk about a lot because we feel like it's not often discussed is injuries. Mm -hmm. um, and you had to combat quite a few injuries at Miami City Ballet, especially towards the end of your time there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what this experience was like and the toll it takes on you as a dancer? Yeah, um, I would say as far as being a, a professional ballet dancer goes I've been relatively lucky with injuries but I did have one that I think kind of started probably as a stress fracture in my right foot and maybe I didn't take the full time to heal because mm -hmm. I wanted that role coming back in January so I took off nutcracker but not enough time and just kind of wear and tear over time um I mean, there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it and injury is horrible. You feel like, I think when your whole life and your family and your friends and everything is ballet, um, your whole world kind of caves in when that's taken away from you and you're injured. Sure. Um, and I think we as dancers push through like crazy, um, way past what people would consider sane or logical um, in order to fulfill what we've been working so hard for. And um I went through a whole season, my last season at Miami, super, super injured. And I auditioned and got hired at National Ballet of Canada, still super, super injured. And I experienced a lot of misdiagnoses. Um, Miami had fantastic doctors, but they weren't necessarily ballet. You know, and they didn't know those finite kind of teeny tiny intrinsics that dancers need uh, in order to get through our days. Um yeah, and so I ended up flying myself to New York, and I got diagnosed by uh, Hamilton and Bauman, who are Harkness trained, and they had a protege uh, that is an orthopedic surgeon in Los Angeles, so I decided to go home and like cram through a surgery, and I know better than doctors, and I was going to heal in the amount of time I needed to heal in, and that did not pan out, so I uh, reluctantly had to step away from my contract with National Ballet. Um, and then, yeah, you're just kind of like free floating. You don't really know what to do if you're not dancing. Um, I've never been the kind of dancer that wanted to do school on the side at the same time, or I wanted to be all in 24-7. Uh, and I was left kind of to this like empty, who are you if you're not a ballet dancer kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I just kind of dove into physical therapy and I did start going to school and it was a nice distraction, but the second uh, my PT started to work out, I was like, all right, get me back into a Bye. company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, so, so yeah. then what led you specifically to Los Angeles Ballet at that point? Um, okay, so I know Patricia Neary from my first small company, mm -hmm. uh, and her sister, Colleen, is co-directors of Los Angeles Ballet. And at the time that I was coming back from my injury and feeling strong and ready to audition, um, it was kind of a weird point in the year. It was past like that January, February, March time, but before, I guess before when you would start looking again. So, right. I, and I didn't want to wait a whole year to audition again. Right. Um, so Pat was like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I guess I'm just waiting for that next audition season to come around, you know, right. staying in shape and gearing up and getting the word out that I'm, you know, back in a sense. Right. Um, and she was like, well, I think, 
LA Ballet needs a Mirta for Giselle. Are you interested? And to me, I'm like, absolutely, I love that role. But at the same time, oh my gosh, that's a lot of strain on a right. foot that's just coming just back. Fresh, yeah. Um, but I was so hungry to get back that I said yes. And it was only supposed to be a temporary contract. And I was like, okay, well, at least that'll get me, you know, a few more months and, you know, really back into shape. And I just loved working for Colleen and Thordle and the dynamic at LA Ballet is a, a little younger, so it was different, but I really gelled with uh, the directors and they were like, so you just want to stay with the company? And I was like, okay. So yeah, it was kind of a sideways way getting there. So LA was the place where you um, were not only able to return to those balancing works that uh, you sort of made your early career on, mm -hmm. but you also uh, ventured into a lot of full length. So it was a place where you really came into your own. Yeah, What definitely. was it about, how did everything come into place for you? Um, I think LA Ballet was really a, a place for me to kind of find who I was as a principal dancer and not, uh, not necessarily, I mean, I had, I, clearly I had to work for what I had at LA Ballet, but I didn't start necessarily at the bottom. Mm -hmm. I kind of started with uh, an expectation on top of me and um, a standard that was set from, I guess, where I had come from with Miami and what they had seen and known from me and what Pat had spoken of me. So it was a way for me to kind of step into my own and not feel like I had to work my way up or earn my way, but I was kind of given it and uh, expected to deliver on the back end. Um, so yeah, I mean, I clearly Swan Lake was a bucket list ballet for me and mm -hmm. I got to do that and Sleeping Beauty and the same thing. And I think the more you do those classical ballet ballets, the more you kind of mold yourself as a person and you learn more about yourself and they push you to such extremes that, uh, I don't know, I guess it just informs you for who you are as a dancer. And then Colleen and Thordell also gave me kind of carte blanche to start an outreach program with Los Angeles Ballet. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of fun way for me to get into another aspect of nonprofit work and ballet companies. And Can you tell us a little bit more about that and the work that you did? There? Yeah, so I started a program called A Chance to Dance uh, that was actually already in the original Los Angeles Ballet mission statement, but mm -hmm. because... It's a small company and there's not so many people on the executive side. You know, people wore multiple hats and it had kind of fallen by the wayside because everyone just had so much on their plate. And I was like, well, I feel like we really need this and Los right. Angeles could could use this. And if you'll if you'll let me, can I can I give it a go? And they were like, well, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of work. And if you're doing it through school districts, there's a lot of back and forth and hoop jumping. And I was like, well, what if I can create something in house? And what if you can just say yes and let me try one <laughs> event? And if it fails epically, then that's fine. And if it doesn't, then I'll keep going. Uh -huh. And they said, OK. And uh, so I would do a once monthly event on a Sunday. Uh, and it was like maybe depending on the day maybe seven or eight hours of classes that company dancers or guests would teach um pro bono of course and for all levels from three through adult and uh ballet classes hip-hop uh, physiotherapy pilates mm -hmm. yoga whatever the dancers besides ballet were interested in teaching or right. working on we would do like hair and makeup lectures for the girls and how to prep for summer programs and variations and uh, sometimes we would do a little lec dem of whatever was going on at the company at the time, but it was a really nice way for us to invite the community of Los Angeles into the building and get to know the dancers on the flip side of, you know, what they see on stage and a kind of a way for us to pay back the community that supports us. And mm -hmm. definitely Los Angeles has had a struggle maintaining a major ballet company. So I felt like it was really important for us to kind of give back to right. 
them. So how long did you spearhead that initiative? Oh gosh, I think three of my five years there. Wow. Yeah, and, and then I still pa- going. Yeah, I passed it on to a couple of da- other dancers when I left. Yeah, and they're still going strong. That's great. I love to hear about dancers taking on those leadership roles because dancers are so good at that stuff, right? There's an yeah. organizational aspect. There's that passion too. That's so great to hear. I'm glad that that's something that's living on in Los Angeles. Yeah. We will return to conversations on dance in a moment, but first, we want to talk about our sponsor, FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a subscription box that offers full-size beauty, fashion, fitness, tech, and lifestyle products. The box is seasonal, so it comes out four times per year, and right now, they are taking pre-orders for their winter box. Every winter box is going to include Kate Somerville's Exfolicate, which is valued at $75, and a BB Dakota poncho, which is an ultra-cozy knit accessory that is perfect to layer over your favorite warm weather pieces. There's going to be over $300 worth of goodies in this box, and now we are offering our listeners $10 off their first order. So you can get $300 worth of merchandise for only $39.99. To order your winter box now, visit conversationsondancepod.com slash fabfitfun. So after five years as really the company's star, you decided to move on and you are now dancing with Suzanne Farrell Ballet. Mm -hmm. Uh, What spurred that decision? Did it feel like a a risk at the time? Yes and no. I think, I don't want to say I got an itch to leave LA Ballet, but I think the, uh, the, what's the right word? The desire to go to Europe suddenly became like a it's now or never thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of just jumped ship. And I think there wasn't a lot of, I mean, I finished my season, of course, but I, th- I don't think there was a lot of maybe thought process as to why on the front end before I decided not to sign the next year. And they certainly weren't expecting it. And um, it was, it, I guess it was just a gut feeling that I had that like my time there was done. And, you know, there were other dancers that were young in the company that, that should be coming up and Thordell and Colleen should be grooming them and that I've kind of done my due diligence there. And it was just time for something else for me. So Suzanne is widely known as an incredible coach and one of the most valuable minds in preserving the balancing legacy. What's her coaching process like and why is it so effective? Oh gosh. Um, I don't even know where to start. She's so (laughs) wonderful. Um, I think coaching is not the right word. I think Mm -hmm. she really, she, grooms a relationship with each of her dancers that's very different and individual to them and she really it's more of a mentor experience than Mm -hmm. it is like a coaching or a director experience um she's very quiet she doesn't necessarily say she certainly never says more than she needs to Uh um but i think with minimal well tons of guidance but with minimal words to her guidance she lets you find kind of who you are in each ballet and she looks at every ballet as its own world. And so you're, you're in this different world and you have to create the environment because, you know, black wings and a blue classic blue balancing backdrop doesn't create an environment. So your, your aura, your perfume, whatever it is, has to become each ballet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she really approaches each ballet in that way. And she's very, very uh, focused on, your eye focus and what your face is doing and where you're looking and how you're looking in a certain way. Um, and it's not to say that she doesn't give technical corrections because she does, but the, the technique comes in what you, 
what you are becoming as mm-hmm. the dancer in each ballet. Um, so her approach to me is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And it's such a giving there. There's just nothing, nothing on her end. That's not a hundred percent for the ballet that she's helping put back on stage. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up the comments that she makes on your, your, what you're doing with your face and your eyes. I think that Balanchine, uh, in its time develops a sort of a bad reputation or a misinterpretation of what those works were. And the whole idea, you don't have any personality mm-hmm. when you, I mean, really all those dancers, they were all personalities. Right. Suzanne isn't Patricia McBride, isn't um, Allegra Kent, isn't Tannikia Leclerc. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's so interesting that Suzanne mentions that specifically. And she, she just, she says things like no one has your eyes, right? That that is absolutely what yeah. you have to. She always says that at, yeah. at bar in class. Always. She says, you know, everyone, everyone has, anyone can have a nice foot. Anyone can have a nice line. Someone will always have more turns than you, a higher leg than you, but nobody has your eyes. Nobody has your face. Mm-hmm. That's your signature on who you are as a dancer. Right. Um, and it really does. It seems so little, but it really does change the way you approach everything you do mm-hmm. yeah. with respect to dancing. So today, before you came up here to talk with us, um, you were working on Chacon with her. Yes. And you just started today. So what are those first um, few hours in the studio with her, like on a new ballet when she's teaching it to you? And when does she start to get really specific on what she wants to um, see? She gets very specific right away. <laughs> <laughs> she's incredibly detail-oriented, and she knows... Um, she knows all the ballets inside and out, whether or not she danced them. She knows uh, what what Mr. B wanted and what, you know, the intention should be and certainly what she wants the world to look like on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a combination of you feel very I, I mean, I, I do at least I, I haven't seen her in almost a year since we finished our last season at Kennedy Center. And the second I get into the studio with her, it's a feeling of relief isn't the right word, but you feel like you're in really good hands yeah. and you feel um, kind of this like re renewed, like reinvigorated energy to, to really work, to create something that she's basically with the way she treats you is telling you, you know, the world is your oyster right now. You can do all of these things and we're going to make them all beautiful and they're going to be on the right counts and it's just going to be wonderful. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at the same time, you want so badly to please her because because of the way she treats you like she's mm-hmm. so she's so good to all her dancers and she demands a very high level um but at the same time it's there's a mutual respect there and she's giving you such a high level i mean she stands with us all day long she never sits so there's it's not it's not that she's really in physically in the rehearsal with you she's in you know your space she's around the room and so it's just this like fantastic energy of like what more can we do yeah. I like that standing and never sitting. Isn't that a balancing thing? Yeah, he never did. He yeah, never yeah. sat down. Until right? his health failed at the end. He was right. always, because he, he was just like, why should I? You're not. Right. That's and what he, she says. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, so I, I love that you brought up that it doesn't matter whether she worked on a role or not. She's going to give it the same level mm-hmm. of care. And um, one of those ballets that she didn't create or ever dance in her career was Guno Symphony, which you performed last year, I believe. Um, so what is that like when she is working on a ballet that isn't associated with her heavily? How does she give that life? Um, I mean, kind of in the same ways that she does with the ones that she was associated with. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really she's she gives such due diligence to like the mathematical mind that balancing had with mm-hmm. the formations of the core and everything and the way she kind of grooms that to make it really be exactly what 
you know, she envisioned and he envisioned having in his head. Um, it's kind of fascinating to watch and then to see she kind of redid the costuming last year. And mm-hmm. so the ballet became more of a black and white. Uh, um, the core, so half the core was in black dresses, half the core was in white dresses. Um, and you see it's kind of genius because you see the formations even more because mm-hmm. it's this like checkerboard of mm. dancers running in and out of each other. Um, but she definitely looks for, I think she kind of puts herself in, let's say my position. And mm-hmm. if I if I had done this potato, what what would I have done and how would I have approached it and how would it feel to me? And so she definitely tries to, even if it's not a ballet that she did or did very often, she tries to put herself in that position and feel what she would have felt had she right. danced the ballet. So can you give us a little bit of a preview for um, this season during Suzanne Farrell's final engagement here at the Kennedy Center? Um, well, other than the ballets that I know are dancing, um, we're doing Chacon, mm-hmm. uh, we'll do, be doing Guno again mm-hmm. and Serenade, of course, and then Sagan, which I'm super excited to just be in the room with, whether or not I'm learning it. I um, really hope you get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it would be a phenomenal experience to hear yeah. what she has to say about that ballet. Oh yeah. Um, and then I'm missing one more meditations, mm-hmm. the company will be doing. But I think people will be excited to see who is on stage, uh, what dancers have kind of come back to join her for the last year or are still here to join her for the last year. Um, I think it's going to be, the whole weekend is going to be a wonderful program. The energy, the dancers, it feels more like a family, even though, which is funny because we don't see each other all year round, Mm -hmm. um, which might be a good thing that we, you know, we're all refreshed and renewed and excited (laughs) to spend 24-7 for six weeks together. Um, but the energy that she creates is always so good. And I know she's really excited for this last season. And we certainly all are as dancers, um, speaking on behalf of the ones I've spoken with and myself. (laughs) Um, so I think it's going to be a really wonderful weekend of shows. You said that about dancers who are coming back with such a smile on your face. (laughs) Are there secrets? Are there? No, I don't think there's any secrets, Uh, but yeah, but still exciting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what does the future hold for you? What's, what's next? Um, I don't really know, actually. Uh, I'm just excited to finish the season with Suzanne uh, on a high note. And then I go right into Nutcracker guesting uh-huh. per every dancer in uh-huh. the whole world. Um, I'm not sure. I just took on a directorship position uh, of a ballet school or the ballet division of a big studio in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So I just moved semi-cross country. Um, to weather that I'm not ever used to between uh, Southern California and Miami. Miami so a little scared of the snow. But I'm not sure. I mean, I'll still... Of course, if Suzanne ever had anything in the future, I would make myself available for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a good working relationship with Tom Gold, so mm-hmm. I'll be doing some oh, stuff with him in New York. Yeah. And then we'll see. But like Suzanne always says, you're living in the moment. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am definitely, yeah. I will be enjoying the next, what, seven weeks now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. That's great. So we just want to wrap everything up. We have this um, little section of our podcast that we call the lightning round okay. at the end. And we just ask you one quick question and you tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite ballet? Uh, Apollo. What's your dream role? Juliet. Um, what ballet that you haven't worked on with Suzanne would you most like her to coach you in? Uh, diamonds. I oh. was gonna yeah. say diamonds. I was bummed I all, we weren't doing it this year. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to do, when we did it in Miami. I wanted you in it so bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would I be so it. beautiful. I mean, I it's love so right for you. But diamonds, yeah. yeah. Um, dream partner. Thomas Brown. 
<laughs> He's in the room with us. Right? <laughs> still, that would still be. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lynn. It Thank you so for having me. It's really good to see you guys. You so good to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week. If you are in the D.C. area and would like to see Lynn in the Suzanne Farrell Ballet in action on December seventh through 9th, visit kennedy-center.org for all the details. If you are new to our podcast, we invite you to check out some of our other interviews with the ballet world's best and brightest. If you like the pod, or even if you don't, we would truly appreciate it if you could take a second to review us on iTunes and let us know what you think. Thank you again for listening and supporting Conversations on Dance. We will see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.